Welcome to episode number 17 of Crossroads of Destiny and Avatar The Last Airbender Universe podcast. Right now, we're talking about every episode of Nickelodeon's Avatar The Last Airbender one at a time. I am Chad Hopkins, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Andrew and Melanie Grant. How's it going, guys? Hello. All right. How are you doing? I'm doing well. We've got a couple things to talk about. I guess we can get the exciting thing out of the way first. I went to Dallas Fan Expo today. And I wore my Avatar Aang, adult Avatar Aang costume to the convention because I was, I don't know, I, I've, I hadn't been to Dallas Fan Expo in a couple of years because of obvious reasons and masks were required and I'm vaccinated. So I felt pretty safe about it overall. And Dante Bosco was there. And yeah. so I thought, you know what? Let's go meet Dante. Let's go meet Zuko. <laughs> so I got out there probably around three or so, maybe a little after. And walked around a little bit, got my ticket to get in line to meet Dante, took lots of pictures with people because they really enjoyed the cosplay, which made me feel really good. Uh, It was a really cool experience. And eventually, after waiting out of the line for a long time and then waiting in the line for a long time, I got to meet Dante. And uh, I will post the pictures that we took on our social media so everybody can see those. He also signed my Funko Pop. A funny story behind this that I didn't tell you guys yet. When I finally got in line to meet Dante, they announced, oh, by the way, they're out of Zuko pictures. <gasps> so he has other pictures, but if you want a Zuko picture for him to sign, then sorry, we're trying to get more, but we don't have any. That so sucks. I was like, well, that's what I was going to have him sign because I didn't, I didn't bring anything for him to sign. And so oh, I had yeah. to leave my place in line to, to go buy a Funko Pop. Uh, I got the blue spirit and he wrote on it, Chad. Definitely not Zuko here. And then his name, obviously. And that is a reference to a quote from later in the show that we'll get to eventually. But then there's one other thing that I haven't told you guys or shown you yet that I was saving for this. Hello, Zuko here. Chad, Andrew, and Melanie. I just want to send you honor from the Fire Nation. And uh, for those of you that are not at the con, that's rough, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That's so so cool. I I was saving that, and thankfully our listeners are going to be able to hear it, and we'll post that video as well on our social media. But uh, yeah, surprise, guys. Surprise! (laughs) That's really cool. Yeah, he was really great. We talked for a couple of minutes as he signed stuff, and even before he signed stuff, we just sat and talked, which was really great. He was really nice. Yeah, it was a great time. So if you ever get a chance to meet Dante, then I highly recommend it, and I will continue to recommend his podcast with Janet Varney. Braving the Elements, where they're talking about all the episodes of Avatar Like Us. And uh, yeah, so that was that experience. I just wanted to talk about it a little bit. And then I wanted to bring up one more thing before we dive into the episode proper. We had a question, like us had a question a couple of episodes ago. I asked, where do airbenders come from? <laughs> and we didn't really have an answer, like off the top of our heads. We didn't know, okay, how, do, how does this work? So I did a little bit of research. And I came across an interview with the show creators, Brian and Michael. And the the basic gist of it is that any member of the Air Nomads was an airbender. It's not like the other nations where it was just like a small percentage of the people were actually benders. The, the, The idea is that the airbenders were so, or the Air Nomads were so spiritually in tune with the world and with themselves and everything around them, then that spiritual connection gave birth to more airbenders. And so if you were a member of the air nomads, you were an airbender. So it's it's not like an air, but it's not like 
there are being there are airbenders being born in no the 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 Earth Kingdom somewhere no and they that, go that is, join the air nomads right I might have to do a little bit more research I think this was a pretty early okay. interview but what it seemed to suggest was that they they all were just born as air nomads or as airbenders right away mm. because of their spiritual closeness to the world mm. so. Just thought I'd throw that out there. If anybody That's has, really cool. Yeah, if anybody has any additional information, feel free to reach out. We'd love to hear what other knowledge you guys have, and we'll, we'll pass it on. So we are in the final three episodes of the, the first season, and they're all pretty big episodes. Yeah. So let's just jump in. We're talking about book one, chapter 18, which is titled The Waterbending Master. It was directed by Giancarlo Volpe, was written by one of the show creators, Michael Dante DiMartino. It aired on November 18th of 2005 and was animated by JM Animation. Aang, Katara, and Sokka finally arrive at the Northern Water Tribe in their search for a waterbending master for both Aang and Katara. Sokka also finds a new love interest, but the tribe's customs stand in all of their ways. Meanwhile, Admiral Zhao prepares to invade the Northern Water Tribe to capture Aang, and he also puts out a hit on Zuko's life. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, lots to talk about. Any just like surface level things or things that aren't necessarily story important that stood out to you about this episode? I always enjoy JM animation. I think the facial expressions that the characters have are always a little bit more comical. So I always enjoy the episodes that they are the ones that do it. And they're usually pretty balanced too. Like they're, they, they definitely play into, this is definitely a kid show, but Mm -hmm. they also have like some pretty serious parts of the, the episode as well. So I really like how they, they balance the, the levity with the, the seriousness of, of Mm -hmm. things that are going on too. Yeah. And speaking of levity there, there is plenty to sort of chuckle at whether it's Mm -hmm. Sokka's love interest or Sokka's very first line of the episode where he says, I'm not one to complain, but (laughs) (laughs) because they're having trouble finding the Northern water tribe initially, Melanie, you, you found, or you pointed out the koala seal that first koala otter. I don't know exactly what it is that we saw a koalter koalter. Yeah, that might be it. But, uh, yeah, I, I had that in my notes as well. Um, cause we hadn't seen that, that, animal crossing before it was super cute i always enjoy the animals in the show too they're always interesting yeah and speaking again of sokka's romantic uh antics or attempts at romantics he 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 asks ua princess ua want to do an activity together (laughs) he doesn't have any i mean it's not like he knows what's going on up in the northern water tribe he just got here and they're eating food and uh what else is there to do well we'll we'll find something i guess And we also got some of Uncle Iroh singing, which I know Andrew particularly enjoyed because <laughs> yes. he sang along a little bit. I did. <laughs> you got shushed really fast, though. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I do want to point something out about that song. I don't know what it's called, if, if it's called Four Seasons or if it's called Four Seasons of Love, but they're having like an instrumental night on the ship and Uncle is singing along. There's a couple guys dancing together, which is really fun. Apparently, Zuko was asked to play the Sungi horn, but he refused. <laughs> I refused. <laughs> <laughs> but... The thing I wanted to point out is that song plays as instrumental backing later when UA and Sokka are together. So oh. it becomes sort of their love theme. You and your musicalness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I did it, not connect that at all. Yeah, it's a fun tidbit. And uh, having already watched the, the following episodes, it, it continues as a theme. So mm-hmm. it, it really is setting up like as their love theme. Right. So are we just done with the other girl in Sokka? Well, Suki. Suki. Are I we mean, just done with Suki? It was just one episode, and he just had to get his stuff together. Mm. Yeah. And that's what Suki was there for. Yeah. 
a trial practice a trial run like trial run yeah <laughs> notch in Sokka's belt <laughs> <laughs> no not quite that <laughs> no to introduce him to a woman that isn't his grandmother or his sister whatever true okay or under the age of six yeah yeah <laughs> he's kind of a prince kind of <laughs> of what <laughs> that was so a, a sister things move to i would have done that to my brother a thousand percent yeah <laughs> getting into the, the the meat of the episode we start off with the northern water tribe members attacking mm-hmm. the the trio and appa flying around and it occurred to me especially once Zhao had his little speech about how the water tribe has lasted a hundred years of war this is For how reason, this is yeah. why it's not i mean Maybe they are pretty insulated from the Earth Nation because word of the Avatar being back had gone around and Mm -hmm. who else was going to have a flying bison but the Avatar. But maybe they they were so sort of self-contained that they hadn't received news that the Avatar was back. And so they're just doing what they do, which is somebody encroaches on their territory. See you later. They protect it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I thought that was really cool. And you see in Admiral Zhao's speech, he's like, this isn't just some Earth Kingdom tribe. So he's not like, obviously, there are huge nations of the the Earth Kingdom Mm -hmm. that have been able to stand. And you see that both cities now that we've seen can only be accessed by bending of that city. Mm -hmm. So like even the the walls have to be opened Right in the Earth Kingdom by Earthbenders. Yeah, in Omashu, you see that exact same thing in the Northern Water Tribe, where there's a huge, like, couple feet at least, where they they go through a tunnel that is only opened because they have a bunch of Water Tribe members or Waterbenders actually opening it for them. Mm -hmm. And it remains really cool when we see a group of people doing the same bending in tandem with each other Mm -hmm. and the the, the synchronized movements, almost like a dance, but obviously there's some threat to it and there's some real talent to it as well. well. It's It's really really cool. cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Because we haven't seen a lot of water bending. No, not a ton. We've we've seen very amateur water uh, right. water bending from Katara and from Ang a little bit as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. and apparently she's been holding out on us. Oh yeah, I, well, I we're mean, going to get to that. I would be pissed off too. I would yeah. figure things yeah. out. <laughs> so the Northern Water Tribe city is beautiful. I, I described it earlier, and it hadn't occurred to me until then that it's almost like a an ice and water Minas Tirith from mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings, the mm-hmm. the city that start carved out of stone. Mm-hmm. But it's all ice. Yeah, it's all ice. It's really cool. Yeah. What did you call it, Andrew? Venice Tirith. Yeah, with all the canals. Because there's so many canals in it as well. <laughs> You're welcome. I love how Sokka and Katara are the first welcomed at the sort of celebration dinner. Mm-hmm. They, they say our brothers and sisters from the, the Southern Water Tribe, and then they bring a special guest who is the Avatar. And so <laughs> I, I love how they're immediately welcomed as, yeah, you are our brothers and sisters. Yeah. There's no animosity or rivalry necessarily between the Northern and Southern Water Tribes. And... I mean, I guess we can go ahead and follow the water story first. Aang comes across a waterbending master whose name is Master Paku, mm-hmm. uh, who I do want to point out. We've seen him many times before this because he is the waterbender from the opening credits. Shut up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So next episode we watch, you'll have to watch for that. I will. Yeah. And nice. yeah, so that that's really fun, except he's not. No, he's a jerk. He is a jerk. He's a jerk from the outset. And, you know, initially, I kind of admire that. Like, okay, just because you're the Avatar doesn't mean you're going to be doing all frou-frou, relaxing, chilling out. Go to a tropical island. Yeah, (laughs) riding koi fish. Yeah, I'll see you at sunrise. Yeah, doing all the screwing around that you've been doing on the way here. 
we're going to get to work because yes, you are destined to save the world. And so I need to get you prepared for that. Mm-hmm. So I like that no nonsense approach at first. And Aang's like, oh yeah, my friend and I can't wait to, to come in and learn from you. And I guess he thought maybe Sokka was the friend because he's the other newcomer who's a dude, but, uh, obviously he means Katara and they show up the next morning and Katara's not welcomed. Um, Mm-mm. <laughs> Mm-mm. Melanie was pissed. I mean, all of us were pissed. The but patriarchy is strong with this one. It makes me wonder if that's just an inherent water tribe, North and South sort of not trait, but custom mm-hmm. because we saw how misogynistic Sokka was from the outset as first. And I'm not saying that the men from the Southern water tribe or Sokka's father are misogynistic necessarily, but it does seem like it was a very patriarchal society and they, right. they had certain beliefs as to a man and a woman's role within the tribe. Right. I definitely think there's some similarities there, but I think we also are looking at the fact that Sokka has this misogyny come from the fact that the men of the Southern Water Tribe were warriors, mm-hmm. not necessarily the only ones who could bend, right. but were the warrior class of, of the tribe. And so, therefore, when Katara was already trying to fight that... Mm-hmm. of wanting to be a warrior as well would be a defender of the southern water tribe that's when Sokka was just like but you're a girl mm-hmm. and girls aren't supposed to fight right so there is some of those like shared traits but then we have this this is like or you could just go be a, a healer like all the other little girls oh yeah you kind yeah. of kind of situations and that's and that's a it's like a different caliber but it's definitely of the same vein. And I mean, the, the Southern water tribe has to be inherently better than better quote unquote, than the Northern water tribe, at least as far as misogyny goes because of the, I would say the Southern water tribe is more matriarchal overall because grand grand seems sort of the, the de facto leader. leader. And we learned that she's only in the Southern water tribe because she left Left. the Northern water tribe because of the misogyny Mm -hmm. and the arranged marriages and all that nonsense wasn't gonna let them run her life yeah we we learned that the necklace that katara has been wearing and valuing this whole time wasn't only her mother's this is the first time we learned that it was her grandmother's Mm -hmm. as well this came from kana and it was a betrothal necklace because she was in an arranged marriage before she left the northern water tribe uh spoilers it was Tapaku, and (laughs) she was like nah i'm not about that and Mm -hmm. she left Mm -hmm. and we didn't know that we just knew it was her mother's necklace katara's mother so I like that we get a little bit of additional information revealed for this storyline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we learn about it because she's like, oh, you're getting married. Yeah. And, uh, or the, the, the healer teacher. I yeah. forget what her name was, but. Uh, Hagoda? Hagoda? Yeah. Hagoda? It's something like that. I think it's Hagoda. Yeah. But yeah, she, uh, she was like, oh, you have a betrothal necklace. You're getting married. I, mm-hmm. I Who's think a lucky that was guy? the first time that they mentioned it being a, a betrothal mm-hmm. necklace, mm-hmm. too, isn't it? Right. Because it's a very water tribe custom. And it, no one else coming yeah. across it would have no. pieced that together. No. But it, was, it is strange that Katara did not know. Seeing the fact that she was the one that's the keeper of its history. It was yeah. just her mother's, quote unquote, is all we, all we really got from it. Well, apparently Grand Grand didn't like to talk about that stuff because i think grand grand did love what's his name paco paco i think she did because she kept it and she passed it down to her daughter and then her granddaughter had it that's an interesting thought but i mean but i think she hated the idea of being told what to do 
more. That's interesting. I, I hadn't thought of it like that. Well, as a girl, I wouldn't keep something from a guy that I didn't want anything to do with. Like, mm-hmm. that's stupid. I only keep things to me that from my husband that meaning. I care about, yeah. that have meaning to me. Yeah. That's interesting. I had never even considered the possibility that she was just, she was purely fighting the system and not fighting being with Paku. Mm-hmm. Well, because the way he described, or the way he still talked about her too. Yeah, he said he was in love with her. He was in love with her. So I feel like they had some kind of relationship. Yeah. Still. I think that's really a really cool insight. I hadn't even. He's still simping pretty hard. He's, yeah, yeah. I mean, unless he was just years completely later. blinders on. Mm-hmm she would have made it evident that she wouldn't want to be with him. Yeah. I I mean, the only pushback I might have against that just to play devil's advocate is in this society, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the men choose who they want to marry. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Okay. That he he was the one that did the arranging. Yeah. That or, he's loved her for like, a long time. He said, hey, mom and dad, this is I the want, one. That's what I'm I want like, her. Because, I mean, they, are, they did mention that it was an arranged marriage. Mm-hmm. But if you're saying that the men are choosing at mm-hmm. least or have more of a say in how the arrangement is arranged. Okay. Here's another interesting question while we're on the subject. Do you think that all of the marriages in the Northern Water Tribe, at least up to this point, were arranged? Or do you think that Kana, her grandmother was royal in some aspect i think she might because be that royal. is a that is a very i would have to say it more more than likely is definitely involved with the upper or ruling class because paku although has not made himself known to be like a ruling member he is also was like sitting up on the, on yeah, the he's council, like the and council. Is like the mount the the master waterbender of the of the tribe. So I mean, like he's basically like war chief essentially. Mm-hmm. Like he has some power in then. So even as a young waterbender, he would have also had some kind of yeah. influence, or at least was projected to have some kind of influence. That and whenever. I I would still go on the vein of it being more so for royalty or for some upper class because when the chief of the Northern Water Tribe was giving his introduction of Sokka and Katara and Aang being there, he then also introduced Princess Yue as saying it's her 16th birthday and she's of marrying age now. Mm-hmm. That that's not something you put two and two together with and a birthday then wish. Literally, twenty four hours later, if not at at that moment, is or is going to be engaged. Yeah, right. Yeah, so because she like makes a date with Sokka later that day, or like she's introduced as being sixteen years old and ready to be married. Mm-hmm. Introduced to Sokka, make a date, meet on the bridge. She's engaged. What? That hadn't occurred to me either. I just assumed she had already been engaged, but it would make sense that because she was so happy. Yeah, she set the date with Sokka, and then her dad comes up to her and like, "Hey, meet your husband to be." Yeah, yeah, because yeah. she was happy. She was like joking around with him, poking fun of the at him, like when he fell in the water and everything. And then her demeanor completely changed whenever she well, kept the date, but then was super upset. Mm-hmm. Like, totally changed yeah something had something had happened and obviously we we find out that she's engaged so at some point between and you know that's literally what a day within these few hours of of daylight right something has changed yeah moving on a little bit Sokka is the one who says 
Aang, why don't why don't you just teach Katara? Like mm-hmm. Paku teaches you, you teach Katara. Everybody's happy except me because I'm never happy. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> so they they go out to do just that. They think, hey, that's a great idea. And so Aang is teaching Katara, and uh oh, Paku, and uh oh, Paku, Paku sees them and Paco. is not happy. So these 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 customs and traditions in this culture are so deeply ingrained that just the idea of Aang passing on teachings to Katara who has no ties to the tribe or the community exactly is that like that's is still un- unforgivable insulting, is still yeah. insulting insulting yeah. situation right <laughs> he says you have disrespected me my teachings and my entire culture and at this point i put in my notes if your entire culture is about stifling women and fitting them into roles that you choose for them it's worth disrespecting Boom. you know like <laughs> what's going on it's so backwards from especially from today's society where we're we're trying to empower women and we should be mm-hmm. empowering women and not <laughs> telling them what to do. And <laughs> Katara, instead of apologizing, she stands up for herself and says, you know what? Fight if you're, me. <laughs> if you're man enough to fight me. Fight me. <laughs> so Katara is literally fighting the patriarchy. Yeah, literally. A hundred percent. She says, if you're man enough to fight me. And, and throw those words around. And he denies it at first. He says, no, I'm not going to fight you. And then she does her little water whip slap on the back of his head. And he's like, okay, well, I guess it's on. Here we go. <laughs> he says, like, I'm not going to hurt you. Like, but if you, if you want to learn how to fight, then pay close attention. Goading someone who's three generations older than you are. I did love what Sokka was like, you're not going to win. And she's like, I know. Mm-hmm. And that's not that's the not point. The point right. Because right. I would have done the same thing. It's like, uh, that, that matters nothing to me. Mm-hmm. But this fight is so awesome yeah we have not seen water bending of this caliber from anybody from especially like paku who is clearly amazing but we see katara doing some stuff we've never seen her get even close to and so andrew you said earlier she's been holding out on us yeah maybe a little bit but i also think that rage has brought something out in her absolutely i do my best things when i'm really pissed off (laughs) Drew knows that. Or when you're fighting against something that somebody's told you you can't do. Comes out at, yeah. Oh, even more. Yeah. Yeah. I think the coolest move out of the whole thing is when she brought up the, it's almost like it looked like a ledge. Uh-huh. And then she just did, yeah, started doing the, the, ice slices. Discs. Uh-huh. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think there's things that she tries for the very first time in this fight. Just like, yeah. I mean, at least that we've ever seen her mm-hmm. even attempt to do. Or the, the roll of ice like a rug. Oh yeah, like, oh, that was so really cool. cool. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she she gives puts up a good fight. Paku watches one of those eyes just like come really close right. to his face. Like, okay, she's she's giving me a little bit more than I expected. I will say, I did enjoy that he gave her the recognition. I was like, I really am impressed. Mm-hmm. You are a very talented waterbender, and then he screwed it all up. And and, like, but yeah. you're still not going to teach me. No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so frustrating. Yeah. But Paku ends it. He traps her in some like ice shards so she mm-hmm. can't move. And he accidentally cut off her necklace as well. And he says, hey, this is mine. I made this. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so this is when he reveals things we've already talked about. He loved her, but she left because it was arranged. Grand, grand. Yes, grand, grand. Thank right. you. Sure. Katara says she wouldn't let your tribe's stupid customs run her life. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't seem like it was just the marriage. It was everything. I don't think we know if kana is a waterbender i don't think she is i don't think so or else she would have been able to teach katara a lot 
Or maybe she's not a waterbender because she was taught how to heal. Which is why she is a healer in... Is she not a healer down in the I don't think there's any talk of it. But okay. yeah, I don't think there's anything that says whether Kana is a waterbender or not. Mm-hmm. We're probably inclined to think not because it was sort of a big deal that Katara was. Was one, yeah. Yeah, but still, there was a lot in this place that led Kana to leave, I think. Mm-hmm. And we see that this also strikes a chord with Yue. Yeah, she's like immediately upset when she hears the story of Grand Grand and Paku. Mm-hmm. Katara says it was really brave of her. It, it took a lot of courage. And Yue runs off, and this is before we learn that she's engaged. Called so it. Sokka runs after Yue, who's upset, and that's when we learn that she's engaged as well. Mm-hmm. Whether it happened earlier that day or whether it's been established, we don't know for sure. But in any case, she can't be with Sokka because she she does like him, but she can't break her tribe's customs. Mm-hmm. Even though she wishes she could be brave like Kana and leave, maybe, and to be with Sokka. Or at least fight in some way. Yeah. But her father's a chief, and she's got expectations. So the next day, closing off this part of the story, there's, there's a few things that are really clear immediately. One, Paku has reaccepted Aang as a student. Two, he's not as grumpy as he was. He's not as critical as he was. He compliments Aang on his fighting or his, his technique, which we definitely didn't see any of that the day before in the little bit of training we saw with Aang. Oh, yeah. No. Um, and then... Katara runs up and he's angry at her for a second. He says, what are you doing here? You're late. So he has accepted Katara as his student as well. So at least that part of the traditions in the Northern Water Tribe has been broken because of what Katara did and Mm -hmm. showed Paku, which is really great. Suck it, Paku. Going back to Zhao and Zuko and the Fire Nation. Did she shatter the ice ceiling instead of the glass ceiling? (laughs) (laughs) So... Zhao realizes, finally, that Aang and company are flying north. They're mm-hmm. going to the Northern Water Tribe to get a waterbending teacher. Yep. And it's suggested at this council that he's at that, well, let's go get him then. Like, come on, let's go take down the Avatar. And Zhao's like, listen, it's not that simple. This is a great nation. He's very complimentary. Melanie, you pointed that out while we were watching. Yeah. He was very complimentary, which we wouldn't really expect from Zhao. Not from Zhao, right. I was just like, if it was like Iroh, you would be mm-hmm. like, yeah, of course he will talk about that because yeah. a smart man is going to know the limitations of himself and the... What to take seriously. Yeah, mm-hmm. what to, you know, and the real defense and the real power that is the, the Northern Water Tribe. Mm-hmm. And we're hearing it from Zhao for the first time, who we literally just saw burn half of his boats down. So, right. <laughs> kind of a different character we're going off of here, but <laughs> yeah, here he calls are. he calls him a great nation, but he is ready to destroy them. And he decides I need every Fire Nation Navy person I can get together to mount this invasion of the Northern Water Tribe. And so he even goes to Zuko's ship and takes his crew one to get that additional firepower, but two to cripple Zuko so that Zuko can't do anything or like, yeah. Or claim his glory. Right. His honor. Yeah. <laughs> As he is on Zuko's ship to take his crew mm-hmm. and to offer Iroh a position as one of his generals as well, he sees the broadswords that Zuko has on his wall. Dun, dun, dun. And he has flashbacks to Connection. a certain blue spirit that we saw a few episodes back. And he makes a connection that, yeah, Zuko is probably the blue spirit. <laughs> Zuko denies it. He says they're just decorative. I'm not a master of broadswords, whatever. They're, an- they're antiques. So Zhao has connected these dots. And as he is preparing his invasion force, 
he talks to the pirates that we saw back in uh goodness what what episode was that that was the map the episode that had the water the water scroll right yeah 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 so. oh it, it was the water bending scroll yeah he hires them to kill zuko which i mean that's what would you bet that if they had been successful well we we actually do see this that he would have the pirates blamed and arrested and maybe killed mm-hmm. so that any potential involvement on his part is silenced oh yeah i mean that was that's pretty ballsy yeah to put a hit on the prince of the fire nation yeah banished like, or not he yeah, is the I was prince gonna say, disgraced or not i mean that's he still has a, a ranking a pretty <laughs> high ranking yeah pretty intense and mm-hmm. zuko very nearly does bite the dust he is alone on the ship because uncle goes out for a walk and his crew is joined Zhao and the pirates sneak on board and set up some blasting jelly and they light it and Zuko doesn't have a chance for escape. He he hears some noise and he starts wandering around, but he's led to the bridge and all of a sudden there's an explosion. He and sees that stupid bird thing. He does see the, the, the parrot. Thankfully, he does survive, but we don't see that right away. No, and I first, like, until they did the reveal that Zuko and Uncle Iroh were in cahoots of trying to figure out this plan to get to the northern water tribe Mm -hmm. i really thought he was like a little bit gone or like hurt or missing or something and i was kind of upset with uncle iroh for like that long because he Mm -hmm. sees the thing like burning up yeah the boat burning up and he's he's like like, he's disappointed but then when he's talking to Zhao again he's just like yeah i guess i'll be your i know i was like he seemed like no no qualms about anything happened everything was cool i guess i mean that's a bummer right that he's gone but and I was like, yeah. this guy, this guy mm-hmm. who like left his post to follow his his nephew to protect his nephew, and is just okay with him being gone. Mm-hmm. Then obviously that wasn't the case. Well, he didn't have the knowledge that we had, which is that Zhao was the one who sent these pirates to kill Zuko. If Zuko was out of the picture, theoretically, I could see him helping Zhao with this invasion because he is. A fire nation no, member right, right, right. that's not the problem i had with that meeting mm-hmm. it would have been like if he had just witnessed the explosion mm-hmm. and watched his nephew die mm-hmm. there was no mourning period there wasn't like a, i gotcha there there should have been more defeats mm-hmm. than resolution that makes sense that's why i would say like if he there, there should have been this like instead of just like yeah i guess i've got nothing better to do now right there should have been like a You've taken everything from me, essentially, mm-hmm. especially knowing more about Iroh than I should, should quote unquote, at this point. Right. Taken everything from me. Now I have no other option but to join you. Mm-hmm. That's not what how that scene read. It's, it read as right. like, well, Zuko's gone. What's yeah. next on my okay. checklist? Yeah, that makes sense. That, that, that's the qualm I would have had. Yeah. But as, as we mentioned, Zuko has stowed away on board, mm-hmm. and Uncle has this really great quote. He says, no nephew of mine is going to stow away on a ship without some backup. Right. So they're oh, hatching this plan to stow away Zuko on the ship until they reach the Northern Water Tribe, and then he can escape and catch the Avatar before Zhao does. There's this moment when Zhao is talking to, or when Iroh is talking to Zhao, where he blames the pirates for Zuko's, quote, death. Mm-hmm. And 
Zhao has this evil little grin as he sips his tea. Like, yep, got away with it. Mm-hmm. And I just hate him. It was so definitely much. those pirates. Butt face. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Pirates, am I right? Yeah. Ugh. Can't Ugh. live with them. Can't right. <laughs> <laughs> What you gotta do? Can't usurp a throne without them. Arr. Right. <laughs> uh, but really, the final thing to, to talk about in regards to this episode is the final shot, which is they Lots have of boats they have a fleet mm-hmm. this is not three or four ships this is a huge huge fleet yeah. of fire nation ships and terrifying the next episode we can go ahead and say it the next episode is called the siege of the north part one i am so excited yeah so one we finally made it to the the northern water tribe go down <laughs> yeah we got here so Melanie's happy about that. We're finally making headway. And now we have, a siege is coming. We've been here this whole season. We got two episodes with a waterbending master and at the North Pole. Right. Yep. And so any any expectations or thoughts about what might they're be gonna in be, store? They're going to totally get taken by surprise, mm-hmm. I feel. But if anything, it showed us in the beginning of that episode okay. is that they're they're prepared. There you go. But I don't think they're going to be prepared for the magnitude of what the fleet is. Right. I mean, what we saw is not a huge sprawling kingdom of water nation cities. Mm-hmm. This is a large city, mm-hmm. much bigger than the southern water tribe right. for sure, but it is not huge and their force is not that big. Mm-mm. And again, not all of them are waterbenders. I mean, they to be have fair. They have a lot of natural defenses. Right. But that can only do so much. It's a fortress for right. sure. Like Helm's Deep. Very, very, again, I, I see that Lord of the Rings reference as well. It's mm-hmm. very Helm's Deep where they have this place that they're going to have to defend somehow. Hopefully they get some sort of Help hint. on the morning of the they, fifth day. They, yeah, they get some sort of help. Look to I the mean, east. <laughs> what do you think the damage is going to be, if any? It's going to be probably devastating, I think. Do you think we might lose anybody? Who do you think we might lose? Any, just throw out a thought or two. I think... Like, my initial gut is that we're going to lose Paku, mm-hmm. which is really going to suck. Because he's well, Well, he's old. Okay. Mm-hmm. And but he's, he's going to probably lead the charge. Just yeah. redeemed a little bit. And he's just been redeemed a little bit. Mm-hmm. And if any other show in our lives have shown us anything, <laughs> that's usually a recipe for not-so-great things. Yeah, that's when uh, people normally get hit by a bus. <laughs> George. <laughs> that was a Grey's Anatomy reference yeah, for know, those who we don't. We know all the pop culture. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, and I'm a little fearful that he's going to get injured or, mm-hmm. God forbid, killed. He as oh, Paku. Paku. Okay. Yeah. And then, what is Aang going to do then? Yeah, I mean, what is or Aang captured? Gonna... That's my thought right now. What, what's Aang? What's Aang going to do now? Yeah, he has a waterbending teacher now. He's got a day and a half of training. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. nothing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. even even with him being. The Avatar, and there's uh, been other episodes where they've shown where Aang does a water bending mm-hmm. action, and Katar- and he picks it up like that, and Katara gets all pissed off. Even with him being able to have that ability, it's evident from Paku's statement that, yeah, you're doing it, you, you're moving the water, you're making it go up and down, but you're not feeling anything. So he still has, like... He's a lot, probably a lot to learn. Which I think is important, like, in general, as a statement, the you're not feeling it, essentially, mm-hmm. and the importance it has in water bending. Because mm-hmm. episode one, we see Katara seems to be a powerful waterbender 
when she's upset at Sokka. Mm -hmm. And then when she's upset at Paku here toward the end of this first season, she's breaking jars of water and making the ground crack beneath her because it's made of ice. Mm -hmm. Just talking to him, Mm -hmm. getting ready to go fight him. So it's like you see this emotion has a huge effect, especially with water bending. Mm-hmm. And I think that's played a powerful role. And I also think it's very important to note with like the water fighting style as well has a lot to do with where like the intent, where it's coming from, mm-hmm. than just being able to do it. Right. And I think that's where the avatar steps in is like he's not good at water bending. Right. He needs to be a master of waterbending and that's not going to happen in a day and a half right so we're going to have to see exactly his involvement in whatever kind of fight is going to take place how much maybe the avatar (gasps) state what if Sokka gets hurt what if Sokka gets hurt who knows that would trigger an emotional Mm -hmm. thing Mm -hmm. well having watched the next couple of episodes which are the end of the season I I can say you're in for a couple of really good episodes you're in for a couple of twists and turns that you probably don't see coming Mm And let's get to it. Let's do it. I'm so excited. Okay, <laughs> bye. We'll come back. But they're like, but they're like real twists and turns, not like Shyamalan twists and turns. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's an important distinction. Wow, Andrew. <laughs> so with that, that's the end of the 17th episode of Crossroads of Destiny. Thank you all for listening. As always, you can find us on social media: Facebook.com/slash/XRoadsPod or at XRoadsPod on Twitter. Please go over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review and hit that subscribe button so it helps other people to find us as well. If you have any long-form feedback or ideas, you could email them to us at xroadspod at gmail.com. There's our voicemail, which we would love to get more voicemails from people. Our phone number is 3145-YIP-YIP. That is 314-594-7947. Keep it around a minute or so. Give us something interesting to talk about, like a question or a topic, and we'd love to feature you on the show. Melanie, where can people find you online? They can find me on Instagram, and that's MelanieAmanda44. And Andrew, as always, the best place to reach him is through our other Mm -hmm. forms of contact or through Melanie or I. Melanie or me, one of those. Um, (laughs) And and the best place to find me is on Twitter, at Chadadada. That is at C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. There's my other podcast, which I'd love if you checked out. There's the Cinescope podcast, where we talk about the movies we love and why we love them. You can find that at Cinescope Pod on Twitter or the website, thecinescopepodcast.com. There's my podcast, An American Workplace, which is all about the American version of The Office, which you can find on Twitter at WorkplacePod and WorkplacePodcast.com. And the show notes and contact information that we just went over can be found at our website, xroadspod.com. That's it, everybody. Thank you one more time for listening. We will see you in episode 18 when we talk about book one, chapter 19, The Siege of the North, part one. Bye. Bye. Bye.